The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. IOM America is doing part two of our podcast on the truth about Christmas because our message today is primarily from the graphics of history. So you're going to need to go to the same place where you got the audio podcast right next to the the uh, audio podcast that you clicked on. You're going to see a PDF symbol. I need to have you go back there. Click on that PDF symbol and this Slide presentation will open up for you because what I'm about to share with the body this morning is in pictorial form. So it's critical that you are listening to this podcast. You need to uh, open up that PDF file. Those of you who do not uh, make the connection between uh, America and Nimrod, which I will be speaking on in a, a few moments, because you're not familiar with the American traditions. I just ask that you send me an email at sphinney, S-P-H-I-N-N-E-Y, at iomamerica.org. Send me those questions and I will make sure you get the answers. So, we welcome our online listeners this morning and we are on part two of The Truth About Christmas. If you go to any one of our websites and if you see a picture like a, a book cover that has Santa Claus on it, and it says the truth about Christmas. If you click on that little book symbol, it, you'll literally get a free ebook that I've written on this topic. This ebook has even gained the attention of the History Channel. There's only two pieces I've written that actually have gotten their attention, and this is one of them. And uh, very few historians, as I was told, have made the connection from Nimrod to the uh, Temple of Solomon, which is where most people think that the Masons have started, and then from Temple Solomon all the way into mid-Europe in the 1300s. A lot of historians start there with these holidays because they legalized them. And then from Europe over into the New World, which is America, and how it was uh, developed from that time forward. Very few historians, from my understanding, have put all those pieces together into one chain. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's take a look at our very first slide here. Have you ever heard of the Greek god Pegasus? That goes way back before they came up with this idea of, if you're not a part of our religion, you're a pagan. Paganism is the context of classical antiquity as the unity of religion and politics. Now think about what all was just said. Country, same religion. The earliest trace that we can find in history that this word is used is the blending of politics and religion as one force. That was Nimrod's goal. And he accomplished it. That's when God stepped in and said, not on my shift. So anytime that religion and politics are talked about as one, as it is in our present administration, 
after our present president, two weeks actually, after he became president, he gave the Thomas Jefferson Bible to every congressional member as a gift. The Thomas Jefferson Bible was the very first Bible translated that would be called today an emergent translation. Completely removed the name of Jesus. Completely removed any references of sin. Completely removed anything that would be offensive. It, Thomas Jefferson did the very first that we know of quality job of blending religion and politics in a Bible. If you think the Thomas Jefferson Bible is a thing of the past and no one uses it anymore, I want someone to send me an email to describe why our present president made sure that every political decision maker got that as a gift, hand signed from the President of the United States of America. Why was that so important for our president to revive that translation of religion and politics, which was the complete goal of the Constitution of the United States of America? Qualified by the observation that man in the pagan view is always defined by ethnicity, which means whether you're Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Jew, of course Christians never mentioned, you're all okay. In fact, as you do a study from this point forward on the word paganism, Christians are never okay. We're never in the acceptable blend. Of paganism. We're never accepted. We're always the bad guy. That seems a bit odd to me. So that each pagan tradition is also a national tradition. Christianity is a national tradition. It does not communicate you have Christ in you anymore. If you're American, you're Christian. Is this not what we've been living with? There are Muslims in the world who hate us because we're Americans. And then when you finally pin them down, say, well, why do you hate me? Well, you're American. You're Christian. It's like saying someone who's Catholic is a Christian. That's a joke. Christianity means following Christ. It doesn't mean that Christ lives in you. I'm hoping and praying that you're listening very carefully because... Traditions in a nation is the best way to deceive the people and lead them into the greatest deception known to man. And that is, if you are of this nation, you are a Christian. It's like sitting in a church and, and, and saying, because I sat in this church, I'm a Christian. Because I grew up in a Christian home, I'm a Christian. What greater lie is there than that? They go all the way until they're 89 years old and, and you, you are so burdened to make sure Grandpa is saved. You say, Grandpa, have you, are you a Christian? Yes, I've been a Christian my entire life. Really? Because you grew up in a Christian environment? Because you grew up in America? Because you grew up attending church? The pew you sit in is more saved than you are, or at least equally. That's paganism. 
Paganism is so important to deceive a country and their people from ever accepting Christ into their mortal lives. I know I'm going to get hate mail this week because I have received over the years many emails of people who are upset because they believe what they are sitting on or what they are in makes them safe from the doomsday of hell. Because my daddy's Christian, I'm Christian. Because my church says I'm Christian, I'm Christian. Really? There's only one proof of purchase of whether you're a Christian or not. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Let's take a look at this a little further. It is to postulate the emergence of monotheism, one God, must find a way to merge all gods into one universal God. Just think of a hundred different gods out there, okay? They have a dilemma on their hands. These, these antichrist type of pagan leaders have this goal to get, somehow get, get this nimrotic belief that one day out of a year you get to worship your own God, but all the other days you worship our God, because you're in our nation. Are you with me? Completely switched. Not one day you worship Nimrod's God. All days you worship Nimrod God, and we'll let you stray one day a year. That's the goal. That is the problem these paganistic leaders have got on their hands. Now that you understand that, let's move forward. The grand architect of all gods, this is where it was birthed. There's only one way you can unite all gods is under someone who has the intellect to architecturally design a plan to unite all gods under one God. You think this was emerged in the 70s? Try looking at the story of Nimrod. It's there. You want to know what made God angry? Someone tell me why God got angry with Nimrod. His bright guy. Considered the greatest of all the lands. Why did he build this tower? Why was Satan removed from heaven when he, when he was under the term Lucifer? Which means angel of light. Angel, horse, angel of light. He wanted to be the grand architect. And you know what? As odd as it is, God says you may be the grand architect. But not here. So when he was removed from heaven like a bolt of lightning, which planet did he come to? Earth. And he set up himself up as the grand architect. The one who architecturally organizes all religions into one. Except for one. There's only one group I will not allow into the membership. Who are they? Can't use the term Christian. Sorry. These people I'm going to show you this morning call themselves Christians. Who are they? Wait, wait, wait. What? 
Indwelt believers is the only group out of the mouth of babes. Thank you, Lord. Indwelt believers are not allowed in the membership club. People who have the very life of Christ in you. Malami, what, what's, what are Christians then? Exactly. You have followers of Christ and those who have Christ in them. Please take a snapshot of that in your mind or you're never going to get what's coming. You're never going to get this. Thus, paganism and hell Hellenistic, you do the dicing on your own, even in the Greek. Hellenistic is a production of hell. The Hellenistic period was all about darkness. Just go look yourself, it's everywhere. It is an emphasis, it's a period that we went through in our, in, in our, in our history that was producing the imagery of hell. <laughs> the fourth century... Greek period of multiple gods is how it is defined by the historians. I don't care whether it is the Christian definition or whether it is the secular definition. It works for me. This was the period, 4th century, 400 years after Jesus Christ died on the cross to give us indwelling life as indwelt believers. You have this movement that is born through the Hellenistic period of multiple gods. Do you like horses with wings on them? Do you like Pegasus that get transformed, morphodized into a goat man? Or do you like a goddess? Are you more into goddesses of light and goddesses of whatever? By the time that this period ended, there were listed as over six Hundred gods. Now, man, we're going to have to have someone come up with a real good plan to pull all those gods under one political tradition. This is going to take a very high class leader. From this pagan tradition and the universalism, the universality, the world, universal world, of human spirituality, which is, they agree, we are spirit form, following result in the emergence of a religion with a universal scope in the form of the organized society of the Knight Templars. Knights of the Temples. Are you with me? This is not just something out of National Treasures, folks. This is something National Treasures did studies on. The Knights, the original group, the Knights, Knight Templars, were the Knights, the warriors of the temples of every religion. Here's the plan that's being put in front of us. Resulting in a direct connection today with paganism and the Freemasons of America. This group, the Freemasons of America, are everywhere. These symbols, these traditions, these beliefs are in almost every community in America today. Let's take a look at how this whole thing got started. The pictorial to your right is the actual sketching off of, and there's uh, 
pictures coming to actually show you actual photographs of the actual carvings. But this is a sketching of the actual carving of Nimrod. It happens to reveal the language of what they're trying to communicate. Very few carvings found in history today where they actually put the language to what it is they're saying about their carving. They leave it a mystery so that the ages have to figure it out. Not Nimrod. It's all stated. And then there's these symbols, and I wish they were much clearer than what they are. This is Nimrod himself. And this is a fish on top of his head. And his long beard and the, all the things, the way that he looked. There's two graven images here of the seat that he's sitting on. There's another symbol here. There's the primary symbol of Nimrod here. And then you have that on a throne. You have the little guys, the priest and priestess that are worshipping not only Nimrod, but this symbol. Okay? Now here's kind of how this goes through history. There's lots of little steps in between all these, but I wanted to give you a very quick snapshot. From Nimrod it goes to the starting point for us, and that is the flood. Three brothers, what are the three brothers of Noah? Shem, Ham, Japheth. What three national traditions, stay with me guys, what three national traditions were formed from these three brothers? Shem gets the national tradition of Abraham. Shem gets the national traditions of the Jews, the Hebrews, Israel. We have Japheth. He gets the national traditions of Europe. White folks. And then we have Ham, who gets the national traditions of... You're staring at him, folks. Nimrod, Babylon. So when you read in book of Revelation, the very final book, and it's got Babylon, 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 Babylon. But why is God talking about Babylon when it is over? No, it's not. It's a national tradition. Babylon will revive. Where's Babylon today? Where is it? We just captured a, a, a leader hiding out in a hole. It's Iraq. Oh, yeah, it is Iraq. His greatest claim was to rebuild Babylon. That's why America stepped in to get rid of him. Because we know the price tag of Babylon being rebuilt. And that was his primary objective, is rebuilding Babylon. He had spent millions and millions and millions, billions of dollars into rebuilding this Babylon. You can go over and see it today. Is it actually completely rebuilt? No, it's not completely rebuilt. He started rebuilding it. They're turning it into a national museum, the UN is. Okay, that's where the original Babylon was, was when all that stuff that was going on that we thought it was all about nuclear warheads and hidden buried bodies. and No, this is what it's about. Even Saddam understood that. Do you realize that our enemy has a better understanding of history than the Christians 
indwelt Christians do? We are so ignorant. We're so behind. From the flood, from Ham, we have Ham setting up through his children. We just read it at the beginning of the service today. Nimrod is born. Nimrod becomes this great, mighty hunter and builder. What is the definition of Mason? Great builder. Then Nineveh to Egypt. When God scattered them, the largest chunk of Babylonians went to build Egypt. That's why the symbols that you find on the walls in Egypt, ancestral pictorials, you also find in Babylon. From Egypt, we have the empire of Alexander. Alexander advanced on Egypt in, in the late 332 B.C., where he was regarded as a liberator. He was pronounced the new master of the universe, the grand architect. Now, you guys may, may not care, or you could really care less about the history of the Masons inside this little community, but I care a lot. You may not care that the two original texts of the Bible, one was housed and translated in the school of Alexander in Egypt. And the other one was held by the Vatican, the Roman State Church. There was no originals left with the Christians. Paganism. You do your own historical research on the translation of the Bible. The translation, the codex that comes from the school of Alexander is considered pagan influenced. It wasn't even a word yet. Oh yes it was. And then the translation that came from the Vatican was considered of the Roman Empire. Just hang on to those two pieces. There is no third. How many knew that the original writings of John, Peter, Paul, whoever did any writing in the New Testament are not to be found? How many knew that as general knowledge? There are no original translations. The closest you're going to get is the scholars of School of Alexander reading them and writing them and disposing of the originals. Same thing with the Catholics. That's a little messy to me if you know what I mean. It's messed up. So it is our responsibility today to remove the pagan words. For example, in King James, it uses the term Easter. There is no better way to show you paganism influence in scriptures than when they actually use the original word from the pagan community and put it in the Bible. Easter is not Christ dying on the cross. Christmas did not exist in the original text. So this was pretty important for this new master, this new grand architect. There's a picture coming up of how much land actually this kid was able to conquer in his lifetime. 
No wonder he was called the new, new Nimrod. No wonder he was called the Grand Architect. No wonder he was the one that's saying, I've got the answers. From there it goes into the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is going like, by the way, where was this Alexander from? Was he from Egypt? He's from Rome. Well, he saw the connection of Babylonians. The Egyptian culture was all a result of the Babylonians. I got to take Babylon. I got to take Egypt. I got to take. And the funny thing, out of all the empires, all the lands, there was one he was never able to conquer the Gaza Strip. Now, if that doesn't mess with your mind, then you spend way too much time watching cartoons. Because the Gaza Strip is the area of conflict for the Jews today. It cannot be conquered by the greatest leaders in the world. For some reason, politics, religions, peace talks, it never, ever conquers the Gaza Strip. There might be a reason. From the Roman Empire, of course, Rome falls. You have the European Empire. You have to have Rome falling for it to become a religion. You have to have Rome fall before you can have the European Empire. From the European Empire comes the Western Empire. Those arrogant Americans that think they're the most powerful country in the world. From the Western Empire comes the global empire. And yes, where is the UN housed? Where is the headquarters for the United Nations? New York City. New York City? (laughs) New York City? you got to watch commercials to get that joke. <laughs> so, here we have New York City, the headquarters. What did we read about paganism again? Uniting every religion or their god with politics. That is the definition of the UN. Who started the UN? Wasn't the land donated by Rockefeller? Oh, boy, you're good. Okay? We have land donated by Rockefeller. He's a president. Yeah, Wilson. Wilson! Read about his life. That'll scare you. You won't sleep that night, I'm assuring you. But President Wilson started the League of Nations. From the League of Nations, they formed the United Nations. From the United Nations will be formed the Global Economic Community, which is done, by the way, it's called G20. From G20, they shall pick a world chancellor. Guess who wants to be the first world chancellor? Our present president. Is all this by accident? I don't really think it is. Someone please read for me, since it's in such small print, again, which was our initial passage we read. You want to take it on again? This is Genesis 10, just 8 through 12. Then we'll go to the next slide. Now Tish became the father of Nimrod, and he became the mighty one on the earth. 
He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Chalcon in the land of Shinar. From that land uh, he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh and Rehoboth and Kala and Kala and Rezin between Nineveh and Kale, that is the great city. Saddam is just a nobody leader, right? I mean, that whole Iraq thing, no, no real big deal, is it? Doesn't matter how many politicians had to lie, steal, or treat, or buy their way into that war, that war had to happen. Yeah, this is really, really, really important. Who is behind Babylon today? Now, I know when you Google that, you're going to find the UN is just flooding that area. They're pouring $13 billion into building the Garden of Eden's museum, which includes the Babylon. Why would the world, countries around all over the world, spend money on building a national museum where the two rivers came together, which is right out of the book of Revelation, that this will come forth from where the two rivers join, that happened to be where the hole was dug that Saddam was hiding into, where the two rivers came together. All that accident, if he was alive, you could ask him. He was not hiding in that hole where the two rivers come together by accident. He knew prophecy better than you did. That's sad to me. Now let's move forward with these symbols. Here is the land that Alexander possessed. I and mean, this is mind-bending. And how all these little pieces from this one son of this king decides to conquer today, here's what we find. He owned the Egyptians, the Palestinians, Israel, seven churches, Rome, the Greeks, Babylon, and the New World. From this snapshot, I can take you into countries that have been established all over the world. This New World, that arrow will point you right to. And then, of course, where history oftentimes speaks of is the entry point being where the Mayflower came ashore. And of course, we had this Thanksgiving time with our Indians. That'd be not until we got them slaughtered. So there was a, there's a lot of stuff in history that has to be unspoken of because it is too painful to look at. It's kind of like dealing with a person's life and they've killed people or wanted to kill people or been on drugs or sold people. There's so many bad things in their past, they don't want it spoken of in their testimony. So then there's just certain pieces of their history that are actually spoken of so they're not embarrassed. Why would that be any different than American history or any country's history? That's what we have going on here. This man had an unbelievable ability to conquer territories of government. This boy, he was a young man, had the ability that Nimrod had. 
And in history, church history, we find these leaders pop up that have this unbelievable ability to conquer nations. Someone want to give me a more recent guy? People just couldn't believe what he was able to conquer? Hitler. It wasn't? Your grandparents? Oh, yeah. You're kind of young. <laughs> I could show you. I was going to. I thought, nah, I'll really get in trouble for doing that. But I could actually show you symbols from Hitler that were on the Nimrodic sketching. This is not new. And when you break down coding like this of history, you seriously get in trouble. Because you're opening up doors where secrets are that they don't want people to make the connection. The whole internet super traffic, super information traffic that's available to you is messing up and speeding up the end times. Because it's easy to get to. Just this map alone, if you study it, you will see that Babylon and all these these countries that are in conflict to this very day is all a result of this young man. The man that was studied the most by Hitler is this boy. How could a young man have the power to do this? Where did he get his grand scheme? That's a boy saying, possess me. Well, with the children being here, we won't go into details, but... The Greek goddess thing was huge in this boy's life. His mother was not human. That's the claim. She was a half and half. That's another whole topic. But it is very interesting. Now, let's break it down some more. Here we have on the left, we have an actual sketching. I also have a photo but the photo is not as authentic historically because this was sketched out many years before the European photo was captured, obviously because the camera was not even invented until a certain period of time. This was an actual sketching. It is accepted and it's been used by the Masons for many generations. But you have a gathering of these Masons. And if you don't look at the top part and you studied the images of these priest-looking characters, it looks like a Roman Catholic gathering of priests. They're all wearing crosses. So happens that this figure here has a cross, but it's cut off. The cross is cut off on all these robes. So it's not really a cross. It's more like the Red Cross cross. Have you ever seen the Red Cross cross? It's not really a cross, is it? It's like a plus symbol. Okay? Same thing here. It's more of a plus symbol. And then there's this symbol in the middle of the cross. And then you have the, which in this picture, they covered up this Statue, this was an actual statue, and then a sketching of this gathering. They put a covering over this beast. But the 
waist down is a goat's body. And he's actually sitting on top of a round circle, which is the earth, the globe. Out from his crotch area is the medical symbol, which is symbolic for Moses' staff. There's two snakes coming around it, pointing at Moses' staff. Those are considered the two snakes of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was another one of these superhuman characters that just seemed to conquer without even trying. Okay? You with me? Then you have this human body, but you have something going on here. Well, what is that? Who does that to this day? The Pope. What's really going on with these little things? And then there's a goat's head with the goat's horn with the flame on top of the head. Actually, what was seen of the disciples in the upper room, remember? Is there some mockery going on here? That's called duh. You got this Pope's wave. You got this cross that's not completely a cross. You have this symbol that's in the middle of the cross. And then you have woman. This beast has got a woman's breast. So now you got goat, you got beast, you got woman, you got man, you have the earth, you have who is symbolic of the goat in the Bible? Satan. There's a pentagram, you can't see it here, there's a pentagram burned onto the forehead of this goat. What are these horns coming out here versus the goat's horns? The Nimrodic horns. Nimrod. So you have cultures staying in place of Catholicism, Nimrod, global, which is the earth. You have female, you have male, all pulled together in one great architect. Someone read for us, please what this paragraph says by one of its key leaders. Ryan, you want to take it on? All right. That which we must say to the crowd is, we worship a God, but it is the God that none, that one adores without superstition. You sovereign grand inspectors general, we say this, that you may repeat it to the brethren of the 32nd, 31st, and 30th the Masonic religion should be by all of us initiates of the high degree, maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. If Lucifer were not God, would Adonai, Jesus, culminate, culminate. Yeah, culminate spread false and harmful statements about him? Yes, Lucifer is God. This comes from General... Pike. Pike's Peak, you with me? His primarily quest of going more and conquering more of the West had nothing to do with furthering the establishment of the United States of America. Most of the leaders who pushed and pressed on the territories had nothing to do with honoring we the people of the United States of America. This guy was an absolute king. 
to the Masonic order during this time. He is revealing some key doctrines that they believe that only the highest degree guys, 30, 31, 32, you'll never get to 33, so don't try. But there were a couple that made it. Well, I want to know who in history made it to the 33rd degree. Because I know there's 36 degrees. Presidents of the United States are 33rds. Automatically. And if you refuse the commissioning of 33rd, you had some very disturbing things that happened in your presidency, i.e. George W. Bush refused it. Who is known for being the Antichrist over the past hundred years? George W. Bush. You buy that propaganda, then you have been buying in to the, the Masons' goal to ruin that leader. That's 33rd. Well, who's 34th? He's in Europe. Well, who's 35th? You see? I believe what Beth Moore and others have done Bill research on, and that is that in every generation there's one human being possessed by Satan, and he's somewhere. I believe that. 36 degree Mason. You think this stuff is just stuff of the history of these secret societies some of our men and women got trapped in? Golly, are you misinformed. It's around you every day. Let's take a look at the history. Here's Freemasonry Grand Headquarters teaching that all gods are one and the same. Scottish Rite got it right off of their site. First, Masonry embraces without prejudice all good men who believe in the one great architect of the universe, however named. You can name him anyone you want. Buddha. It, it doesn't matter. Name him anything you want because he claims to be the name above all names. So say any name you want. Call your God anything you want. And he says, I am fine with it. That's what the Masons believe. They are not a Christian nation. Listen to me carefully, nations, particularly my friend in Europe. Do your research on this. Masons are not indwelt Christians. They're not even Christians by the Greek definition. They don't believe in Jesus. That is the only name in a Masonic Lodge you can't speak. So here we got it. We start out in... The Nimrod belief, which we covered earlier, we move it this way, and we have Ezekiel 26, where we have the king of Tyre is who? Say? Jerusalem. You talk to any high degree Mason, and you ask them, what is your number one goal? And they will tell you, it is to rebuild the temple. Babylon on this side, so we have Jerusalem over here, and the Temple Masons, they actually own a section that's on the hill to this day, own a quarter of the hill. 
Now we move over here to the, and I'm sorry you Masons, I just revealed something that's going to get you all in trouble. But it's true, and it's provable. Over here, let's go back to Babylon. Drop down into Egypt, which is the Knights of the Temples were formed. From Egypt, it moved into Europe. The French. Of course, there was one French president that was disgusted by the sacrificial acts that were done in the inner temple. And with children present, I won't state what those are. But those of you who are part of the skull and bones, I'll tell you it's a part of your practice to this very day. Your initiation started right here in France. That dropped down to Europe, where the European Commonwealth Market has been formed that will soon unite with the United Nations. That drops down finally into the New World Order, which is the United States of America. You can take out a dollar bill to this day. And what symbols will you see on the dollar bill? You have the pyramid with the all-seeing eye above the pyramid, which is one of the grand architect's primary symbols. So on our American bill, you have New World Order. The left, the right side of that same side of the dollar bill, you have what? That's the American history version. You have 13 stars, 13 colonies. Is all this accident? That very symbol is found in ancient Egyptian symbols of the Knights of the Temples. Who put those on the dollar bill, do you remember? President Roosevelt went to Egypt. President Roosevelt is a Grand Mason. President Roosevelt was considered the most powerful Mason during his generation. Roosevelt was considered an absolute, immovable, powerful arrogant Mason leader. He swung a deal with the Egyptian Masons and he said this. I agree, and the Masons have this agreement. It's it's an actual symbolic handshake that they give. I agree in the eternal light covenant. Quote, unquote. Sorry, guys, I'm revealing your plan, but it's true. The handshake of the eternal light covenant that America will never come against Egypt, ever. So whatever wars Egypt gets into, America has to support. In the final days, there's going to be two that come against Israel. What are those two? Well, keeping it very simple, as it is in Revelation, the north shall come down, and the south shall rise up, and Israel will stand alone. You figure out who's a part of the north, and you figure out who's part of the south, and figure out their religion and politics, and you've got it. Revelations is not difficult to understand. Most people don't even think beyond their noses. They can't think beyond their paycheck that they need on Friday. Poverty and debt is a way to keep the people distracted so the politics can occur in the world today. When you're debt-free financially, when you're debt-free religiously, when you're debt-free in relationships, your head gets clear. 
And you're not caught up in why your tennis shoes need to be replaced. This is heavy-duty stuff, and it is not just a myth. This is not just... I could do this with hundreds of leaders in the world today. And you go, really? I thought he was a good Christian. This secret society is alive and well. There's a gentleman, I won't reveal his name because I'm still doing research on him, but there's a gentleman that is active in the Masonic Order who had made a suggestion that they start fraternities in colleges. This man is still alive for some reason. And these fraternities are all over, even in Christian schools. These fraternities exist. And guess where these maternities are managed? Through and by the Masons. Not in America, in Europe. Because they want no connection to these fraternities in the colleges to be directly connected to the Supreme Council in Washington, D.C. They bumped it over to Europe. That is the only domain that houses the 36 degree Mason. The Roman Catholic Church, we've got to talk about this, guys, before we quit. The Roman Catholic Church adopted the Knight Templars in 1129. What in the world is the church doing adopting the Knight Templars? Who have the most unusual, defiling, disgusting sacrifices in their inner rooms. In fact, the Roman State Church gained their church structure from the United religious, military, and Masonic orders of the temple, which is the subtitle to the Knights of the Temples. That's the original subtitle to the Knights of the Temples. They're a pure military. They're pure religion. And they're pure politics. When the European Templars formed the New World Order of Freemasons, that was actually formed before America even came onto the scene. They needed a New World Territory for this thing that they put together in Europe. Are you with me? This was planned evil. Due to their belief that the group was a secret society and has a deeply hidden agenda to manage the New World Order, which claims the Freemasons oppose the Roman State Church and its beliefs. Members of the Catholic Church found to be Freemasons were, until 1982, excommunicated. Seems like a serious problem. This has often led to the misguided belief that the Church somehow also opposed the Knight Templars. Are you with me? The Catholic Church is saying there is a different bet difference between the authentic bloodline of Knight Templars and these Freemasons in America. Now we have a split. I just gave you the golden key that got the hist History Channel's attention. I'm like, this is not unique. It's in history. But see, it unites politics and religion. Any good Knight Templar knows that. However, the church makes distinction between the Templars and the public 
Spartan, if you know anything about in history about Spartan and the Spartans, and what Rome, why Rome had to conquer this guy and the Greeks, there's no way that Rome could become a republic. This guy came up with the original political structure of republicans, republics. Spartan, we the people. Rome didn't come up with that. Spartan came up with that. He was another supernatural warrior that people couldn't figure out. But why was Rome able to conquer him? Good question. So here we have the, the excommunication as an action taken against Catholics who were found to be Masons was lifted by Pope John Paul II. He was known and still known to this day as being the most Christian Pope they have had in history in the 1980s. However, in the same Papal, Pope's, Pope structure, he reiterated the, this, this whole emphasis that Freemasons, and stating that any person who is involved in a secret society other than those of the Spartan and takes communion is putting their soul in grave danger. Pope John Paul II is now saying, we're going to let you Freemasons into the church. But you better remember that the Knight Templars will take care of business if you oppose us. And it worked. The Freemasons are now an acceptable partnership with the Roman Catholic Church. What does that mean? Politics and religion have unified don't believe me? Let's take a look at it in pictorial form. This is an actual photograph of the Nimrod carving. There is a symbol, as I showed you on the sketching, there is a symbol on the chest in this architectural symbol, but there's this symbol in the center. It just so happens that this is a pagan symbol of sun worship. It is also found on every single Pope collar. No matter what his service is, you will find this symbol placed on the Pope. Nimrod. This became the symbol, the grand symbol, the, the cross that is incomplete, became the primary center of that beast. It was here, Knight Templars, Rome takes over and adopts the Knight Templars, 1129, and they now say to this very day that we are the great architect. The Pope is the grand architect. Pope John Paul II had to adopt the Freemasons because the Freemasons were setting up Washington, D.C. as the place of the Grand Architect. He knew it. 
This peace must be merged or the Roman Catholic Church will lose its power in the end times. It was the smartest move known in history of the Catholic Church. I wonder why from presidents, this is a medal of honor if you haven't noticed, it is everywhere. Russians use it. England uses it. Germany uses it. America uses it. It goes on and on and on. Do you kind of see a common denominator here? I've seen this. I've been there. This is the Grand Temple in Washington, D.C. And it glares at you as you walk up the steps. The Nimrodic symbol. We're not done. This is an early sketching of who? Why is the fish on the back of this guy? I mean, even his, his original carving, they were obviously carving it by him sitting there and doing the regular artist thing. Why has he got a fish on him? Could be. But if you go back into Revelation, there's a beast that comes out of the sea. God's given us a little clue here. So here's Nimrod. Of course, he's got his little magic wand thing going. This symbol and the fish is on every structure the Pope has to have on his head. He has to be covered with the Nimrodic fish. Why are they so big about making all their symbols directly connect to Nimrod? Huh, I don't know. Uh, the symbols that we actually find on all of the Pope's hat are what symbol again? The grand symbol of Nimrod. Here you have the original carving. Here you have an original picture, John Paul II. And here you have an original sketch of Nimrod. This fish thing is absolutely huge in the connection of these two. Pictures never lie. People do. You can find more in history by connecting the dots in pictures. But of course that, that's too simple. Now we have from Egypt to Rome. This is this sun god thing going on. You got the sun here. Does those horns look familiar? Where else did we find those horns? No, Nimrod didn't have them. It's in the Masons symbol of the female, male, goat, beast, horns versus the goat's horns were separate, and then the flame of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Masons get this symbol, these horns. Horns are always, what is contained within the horns is always symbolic in, in history as who's in control. Always. So, here we have it. Above is the statue of the Egyptian goddess Isis. Her headdress shows the sun disk here. Within, the horns of the bull, the apisus or the apis, a sim symbolizing or symbology which is virtually identical to that of the sunburst, which is what the Catholics call and the Masons call the monstrance. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Also noted as Isis' lap, in her lap, is this child. She's holding her breast to feed this child. 
This is long, 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 long before Jesus and Mary. Okay? Stay with me on this because these pictures are going to show it to you quickly. But if you fight this process, you'll never get it. We have this goddess gives birth to somebody who's powerful. Somebody who's going to take over the world. Long before Jesus Christ and Mary had their story. Why are the Masons claiming this image as a Godhead? And why is the Roman Catholic Church claiming this imagery as their Godhead? This is the staff that is carried by the Pope. He's got it here. This is the present Pope. No, it's the Pope that just quit. But this is the staff, and above the staff you have SFS. You have this sun connection. And then the rays that come off of the sun, which are actually snakes. And notice the letters SFS in the small sunburst blaze on the large close-up of this monstrous. Each of the letters is the universal symbol for 666. Now that's something that's been tossed around for a very long time. Most people know that. It seems to be a forgotten piece of the Roman staff. Not for me. All the connections can come together quickly if you just take the time to look. The number 666 is also associated with what is called the magic square of the sun. Taking it a step closer from Rome to America, we are very familiar, of course, with our Statue of Liberty. And, of course, we have, this is from way, way early carvings. The rays of the pagan sun gods are here, clearly. They're clearly carvings. They are clearly on the Roman staff that was carried by religious leaders during the Roman Empire period. Now, here we have a picture of a Catholic church in uh, Germany. And here's what we have. We have a dragon. You can go there today and visit this building. This is in Germany, Munich. And you have this dragon on the corner of the building. And then on the top of the building, you have the triangle the all-seeing eye, and the sun symbol on top of this church. In fact, if you take snapshots, and they're online, every corner, every direction, every picture you could take of this building is flooded with symbols. But they're all Masonic symbols. That's just a bit odd to me. Okay, now you have this statue... This lady statue, the first statue in the world was who? Nimrod's wife. wife. Who was the sun goddess? Who put the Statue of Liberty in New York City? Oh boy. Now let's take a look at this. Got to make a connection here first to Santa Claus. Here we have a modern picture of our Pope. We got the Pope's wave, two finger. 
We have, of course, the collar showing the original Nimrod symbol. And then, of course, we have the connection to the fish hat on top of the Pope. Shows the connection to Santa Claus. Santa Claus was actually a Pope originally. No, he was not. He was actually a young man that was very powerful and influential that Jesus addressed in the book of Revelation. And his name was Deacon Nicholas. Where did he get such power and influence? That he gained the attention of Jesus Christ? To say, I hate the teachings of, Nic- of Nicholas? What was the primary doctrine that Nicholas was pushing on the seven churches? This is while Paul was alive. What was he pushing on him? That you needed a priest to go through in order to get to God. And that priest needed to be a human priest. And that priest needed to be managed by a state church. So we need a state church. Who's the most powerful nation in the entire world right now? The Romans. We need to sell the Romans to adopt a state church. And there is a Roman leader who gets credit for Christianity to be in the first actual government that was Christian and there was nothing Christian about it. No wonder Jesus said, I hate the teachings of Nicholas. Where was Deacon Nicholas educated? School of Alexander. It doesn't take much to connect the dots. You see all these little crosses? Oh, forgive me, they're not crosses. This is a sketching of Nimrod that is on a lot of the actual original writings from the school of Alexander. That is Nimrod's band symbol of this god that is called by the Masons. Actually, the upside down cross with the snapped cross, which is where we get our peace symbol, came from this. In fact, the early popes would wear that cross on their robe and it became too overtly revealing. This is a secret society symbol, and you really got to do your research to connect the dots. The broken cross, upside down Peter cross, with the broken arms, it was too overt. We all figured that one out too fast. But that's a very old symbol. Peace symbol is very old. And it's a Mason symbol. Masons have over 300 symbols in society. Now, Santa Claus, you can do a modern Western study from that gentleman forward, that first Pope forward, and uh, connect the dots very easily. Now, let's make the connection with the sun goddess to the virgin birth. Here we have a picture of Nimrod's mother. What's the rumor again about this young man, Alexander, and his mother? Same thing. It's the exact same scenario. And so the whole emphasis about women in religion becomes a primary for end-time religions. It's primary for end-time religions. And the Catholic Church wants full ownership of it. Here we have a coin, first papacy coin that was used. Yes, the Roman Catholic Church was one of the earliest governments 
to establish currency. And the whole symbol of the cross and the lady, the goddess of sun, was clearly displayed on that currency. Wasn't about Mother Mary. Never was about Mother Mary. It was about this Queen of Heaven. Who does the Bible say the Queen of Heaven is? For those who say that there is a Queen of Heaven, it's the great whore. And that's why in a lot of writings you see today, you hear them bluntly use the term that there's a certain religious structure out there that is called the great whore. Who is going to be coming back on a dragon? Nimrod's wife. You got it. What was crawling up that Catholic church in the corner? A dragon. Who do they consider the queen of heaven? Who's the religion that grants you permission to pray to dead people? Do you know Saint Nick can be prayed to for prosperity doctrines? For gifts? Do you know that they came up, the Catholic Church came up with the idea of getting people to list out their naughty and nice stuff on a piece of paper and pray it unto Saint Nick and he'll decide what you deserve? It's all connected. Embarrassing for those Catholics who are listening right now, particularly if you're a priest. And this stuff is in their history. Recorded. Put in their basement on scrolls. It is there. It's embarrassing. It's very embarrassing. Where is this statue at? New York City. New York City? Where's the original? Which is still there to this day. France. France. Okay, let's keep this sun goddess, keep it all going, and get Mary glowing here. Is this Mary and Jesus? I suppose they could sketch it out as so. I'm not quite sure that is really what's being communicated. This is another sketching of all the symbols of Nimrod. Okay, what's this, what's this going on here? Well, humans don't have wings. Satan's an angel of what? Stay with me here on this. Satan is an angel of light. Is that in the New or Old Testament? Well, you guys got to read your Bible a little more. Satan is an angel of light. New Testament. Why wouldn't we put an emphasis, this little goddess that is between him and the people, to worship light? Is this not an easy connection, folks? That was Nimrod's whole thing. He put his wife between him, the Antichrist, and the people. He put his wife, the great goddess of light. And if you think I'm pulling your leg on this Catholic stuff and the sun goddess thing, boy, just take one hour of your week this week and do your own research. What I'm showing you is nothing compared to the research that's available on this topic. No wonder places like the secular channel of the History Channel going, where's this guy getting this stuff? From your written history, from your photographs, from your church archives. People love being lied to. Do you realize that? People love being lied to. They love it. You say, no, I don't. I hate being lied to. Really? How come is it when I tell you the truth, you run? 
Why is it that through the generations that every time a prophet came into town and told the real story, they'd shoot him? They'd persecute him. They'd crucify him. They'd make, create gossip about him. Because they're telling the truth. And that is exactly what has happened through the generations. You tell the truth. I know I'm getting nasties this week. You tell the truth and you're going to hear about it. Because people want to be lied to. So that they can have their fun little festivities and not have to sacrifice certain things in their life that is not revealing the truth. You have the wings of Nimrod. You have the Muslim beard. You have the Jewish beard. That's another sermon. You have little Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. You think that kind of just like popped up in European history? That'd be wrong. These symbols have been here a very long time. You have the, the tree, Nimrod's Santa tree, is what we would call it today. It's the Bombus tree. He's holding it in his hands with little uh, Rudolph. And you have this early sketching, painting of Santa Claus where you have him bearing gifts. You have that long beard, of course. It's just Santa's beard. Can find out if it's real or not. Oh, it's real. I think you're the only one who gets my humor. Then you have him carrying the tree. You think these are accidental drawings in history? This is, I got this off the Mason site. You got the Christmas tree between the two great grand pillars holding the universe and holding the earth. Then you have the great V, which is on the original carving of Nimrod. And above that V, on the carving of Nimrod, is the sun goddess symbol. The grand architect. Close off the bottom and you have the pyramid, the all-seeing eye. Two great symbols of the Masons. This is at the bottom. I got this picture. It's at the plaque at the bottom. Of the Statue of Liberty. Do these symbols look a little bit familiar to you? Here's what happened in 1984. The New York Grand Lodge, which is the second most powerful lodge in the entire world for the Masons, realized that the Statue of Liberty was getting attention and historical revisionism that left them out. They know, of course, what I'm about to say is absolute truth, but not 84%, 94%, but 100% of all the national monuments were built by the Masons. This is an agreement between the Grand Masonry of Europe and the Grand Masons of the Freemasons will always be unified Knight Templars and Freemasons to worship the great sun goddess, the whore on the back of the dragon. Now I can take you through a long study just from the Statue of Liberty into the Constitution and other places, but that's another whole deal. But I'm just trying to show you there is a connection. So they had a Grand Mason celebration to put this plaque at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty to say, 
we own this statue. So all the symbols and religious beliefs and political goals of the Masons is standing, lighting up the way every day and every night. So here's the goals of the Freemasons to restore Solomon's temple and secondly to place the Grand Architect on its throne. Someone read for me please Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Here's the key, that he takes his seat in the temple of God displaying himself as being God. And the temple does get rebuilt. And Satan does sit on the throne. And that's what basically throws Christ Jesus over the edge, so to speak, and says, enough. So all these little pieces in history from Nimrod forward are very relevant for understanding the end times. Global required beliefs. Here it is. Their quote, all masonry are required to believe in scripture being to treat all religions as though they believe in the same God, as though they believe in the same God, whom fellow Masons are called by such titles as Grand Architect of the Universe or Jabulon, however that's pronounced for them, his secret name. That's the name they use. Remove the name of Jesus. Here's another quote from them when a fellow quotes from the Christian Bible Reference to Jesus are to be omitted, both in quotes and public documents. The original Constitution of the United States was filled with the name of Jesus. That didn't stay that way. It was religious freedom. All, all fellows are to consider Jesus to be brothers with each of these gods. Muslims believe that Jesus was a great prophet. And they do. Finally, salvation to the Grand Lodge above is achieved by living an upright life without explicit faith in, in the Christian Christ. Why are they picking on us? Why, don't, why didn't they say without explicit belief in Muhammad? Why are they always picking on the indwelt Christians? Uh, probably because we're the real deal. Secrets to death. All Masons are to be loyal to one another, even unto crimes. And Masons are to promise by oath of a gory death never to reveal their secret rituals to outsiders, which will result in a curse. I counsel people who have been involved in Skull and Bones, who have been involved in other fraternities, they will not publicly say, I was a member I stand against this membership and I stand against their beliefs until they die. I can promise you this day, you society members that are listening right now, if you do not publicly proclaim that your involvement in secret societies is demonic and promoting the great architect, you may have a surprise when you die. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or not. I'm not playing that tune softly because it is a great deception. For some reason, in 35 years of counseling people, I have not had one success story of a secret society person saying, this is evil, this is what they believe, why they believe it, and I stand against it. Because they're afraid of the curse of their own people. 
That kind of loyalty sickens me. Father of the occult, all Masons are to embrace the entry place of the occult is through the established degree process and the system of mysticism which accepts the development of alternate state of consciousness, drugs. All advancements of degrees is through the approved readings of pagan and occult authors. The higher your degrees, the more secrets you get to hear. When you hit 32nd degree, one of the doctrines, there's 32 statements you have to agree to, of course. That's how it works. One of the degrees, statements that you have to agree to is Jesus Christ is nothing more than a brother to Satan. That happens to be what the Mormons believe, is it not? Well, I can tell you a whole historical connection there. It's all about the occult. If you were in a secret society, you still are in it. And you know I'm telling you the truth. Supreme control for all Masons are to be workers of the Grand Architect, globalizing the world for a single order of governance for what a man builds, the Grand Architect owns. So then we have, let all the Masons uh, work toward the universal acceptance of each religion, considering all to be equal, the Grand Architect can unify them then. Okay, here's our conclusive statement. True Christ is life, indwell Christians have no secrets to hold, but rather mysteries to unfold. We are to be active in bearing the name of the true Messiah and creator of the universe, not blending gods like a stew of global religions, but overtly proclaiming the one and the only God, Son, Holy Spirit, thus making Christmas a redirected celebration of our Savior, that was born in human flesh, died in human flesh, and was resurrected, and through the perfection of his Father, then placed himself in man for eternal life forevermore. So is it wrong to actually celebrate Christmas? We're just redirecting the celebration to where it should be. Now, I'm not going to be preaching and teaching on Night Templars or Masons or all that. We're going back to our identity series after our Christmas gathering time and focusing our, our identity in Christ. But the fact is, the truth about Christmas needs to be said. And um, therefore, you can sit down and hopefully not openly accept some of the symbols and try to somehow connect Santa Claus to Christ. Or the tree to the everlasting life of Christ. Keep them separate. I'm not going to be legalistic about it. But I know the truth about the history of this holiday. Father, we thank you and praise you for the blessed privilege to have the truth spoken to us inside through the Holy Spirit and even outside through stuff we can study and read. I just pray, Father God, no one leaves here today upset, and leaves here, Father, wanting to defend a holiday more than your truth. I just pray, Father God, that truth would set us free. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of allowing us to gather in your name. And we pray now as we go on through our day, that this day would be a, a pure opportunity for you to show yourself in and through us in Christ's name. Amen. 
This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.